no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, we, the bears are what we thought they were. They're what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. One more time. One more time. Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Kins Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The tap room is currently closed, but you can still order online for local delivery or curbside pickup. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at kinslager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. Welcome to The Very Centers. We are a Chicago Bears podcast for the fans. On today's show, we are joined by John Chapman from the 49ers Rush podcast as we break down the 2021 NFL draft and much more. Hey, Doug. What's the good word, fam? Hey, man. Everything is good. Press, how are you? Man, I can't call it, bro. It's good, man. Good. Uh, Busy week with work. Uh, A lot of stuff for us to unpack on this episode. There's been a lot of shit going on with this team this week. (laughs) Yes, sir, man. (laughs) A lot happening. (laughs) (laughs) But no, man, I I can't complain, man. Everything's good on this side, bro. Always great to hear that. Man, let's, let's jump into it, man. So this week, we had the presser. So they talked with uh, Nagy and they talked with Pace. And I'll just say this, <laughs> as you can expect, they didn't quite answer much of anything. And that's to be expected, right? I mean, right. I've talked about on the show how Pace keeps everything kind of to the vest. You know, he's mm-hmm. not going to give up, you know, too much information. So they didn't answer anything directly. But I wanted to know what were some of your thoughts and some of your takeaways on that press conference? No, you're right, Perez. You hit it right on the head, man. They kept things pretty tight, very confidential. When they talked about the quarterback situation, we definitely understand that, hey, this thing can go many different routes depending on who they select. We have to be open to any decisions that they're going to make around that, right? To help the cap, you know, and to help the team get stronger. So it's a lot of moving parts that goes along with whoever they select. And I, I like the part about that piece of how Nagy and um, Pace really discussed not giving too much around who they want to go with, how, because you don't want to ruffle any things when it comes out of Nick Foles if we keep him, right? So you got to be very careful how you tackle that situation. So I thought they were being very careful. I did like the fact of how they also discuss A-Rob as well because they want to be careful with that situation because, you know, it's a sensitive subject, sensitive topic, and we know how much we all like A-Rob, including them. It was good to see how they both thought about A-Rob. They understand that, hey, doing negotiations and contracts is a tough thing to go down, you know, a tough path. No, that's totally true, man. And they they went back to some of their buzzwords, so everything is on the table is Mm -hmm. something that, that came up with the quarterback situation. So... What I kind of took away from that A-dub was the fact they're not going to overpay. So they mentioned that there are going to be some internal deadlines, and I thought, okay, that makes sense. But then they also said that there's some things out there that may be a little bit too expensive. So I wondered, is that more of a comment regarding the Deshaun Watson market, even though the Texans haven't even answered people's phone calls? Like, there's teams that are leaving voice messages with trade offers for them. Like, they're not even accepting calls on Watson. I wonder... Does that just signal a situation where it's primarily like looking at maybe a Russell Wilson is kind of who they're maybe zoning in on? It's just I'm not sure when it comes to that piece yet. But I also wanted to take a quick step back and focus on the Allen Robinson part of the conversation because they were asked directly about A-Rob. And Mm -hmm. what Pace said in his own words was, we love Allen Robinson. He's a great player for us. 
We know that. And he also said the franchise tag is an option for us. It didn't mean that they were necessarily going to use that, but he said, we want to keep our good players. And Allen Robinson is a good player for us. So when you saw that part of the discussion, to you, did that make you think, okay, A-Rob should be back next season? What would you think there? I thought that um, when Pace mentioned that, that is an option, a viable option. You know, we have to consider it from a business side of it, because, right, that's what we talked about, business side of it versus personal side of it. I get A-Rob wants to get paid, right? But we have that tool, right, that the NFL provided to where they could franchise tag. And that is an option that's still on the table that we're actually going to look at. We talk about all these different pieces we got to make. That is an option. And I'm not against pace around that because I totally understand, right? You got to make a business decision. If you want to keep a good player, you know, and then you add, hopefully, a very good uh, good quarterback to go along with them, that makes, hey, you know what? Maybe you can suck it up a little bit, hopefully, you know, but that's something to ponder. Yeah, it really is. And um, I would say this. Allen Robinson also went on Twitter this week and he kind of went at some of the fans. He went through some old tweets and kind of challenged some reports that are out there regarding the contract negotiations that have gone on. And Mm -hmm. so he's kind of shown a little bit to me that, and I hate to even criticize him, but I think that he could have handled some of this contract negotiation stuff a little bit better. I mean, I love A-Rob. He means so much to the city, but Mm -hmm. some of the stuff that, you know, he's been doing on social media, I think, he could have maybe just not done that stuff. You know, just let your agent agent do the negotiating for you. If your agent needs to get a little messy, let him do it, you know? Right. No, I agree with you, man. I think you look look for a little bit more professionalism from A-Rob, but it's just unfortunate that, you know, um, he wants to get paid, as you can see, right? It's not just about a franchise tag for A-Rob. A-Rob wants that long-term deal. He's going to make some noise, right, to hopefully get the fans on the side and maybe us as fans can make some more noise to, you know, A-Rob, pay A-Rob kind of a thing. And um, hopefully that Ryan Pace will probably, you know, um, make a move on that. But like you said, man, it's a business here. So their hands are tied as well to what they can do. They're going to explore every option and franchise tag is just one of them. And I think even from what we saw from um, A-Rob, like you said, on the, on the media, in social media, what he's been saying, he's not the only one, Prez. And I saw Cordell Patterson post something about he and A-Rob you know, on Twitter about, hey, paying them, you know, why we haven't been signed yet. So, Cordero Patterson, I think his was more meant, like, as uh, to make light of the situation to kind of, like, bring a little uh, levity mm-hmm. to it. But at sure. the same time, it still does put pressure on the organization, right? Yeah. Yes, it does. Yep. Now, he's another one that I worry about. And we talked about this on uh, one of our previous pods. But I wonder if his price tag, if he's someone that the Bears will be able to afford to bring back. I still wonder. Yeah, that's something to think about. I think Pace mentioned about strengths of the team, right? And he mentioned special teams as one of them. Of course, he talked about Santos being part of the special teams, but you got to think about Patterson as part of the special teams as well. He makes it stronger by having him. Um, he do- also does other things for us as well. So you're right. Can we afford him? That's the other question. One comment that came out of the presser from Pace that I wanted to delve in with you for a bit. So one of the reporters asked him about Hakeem Hicks and Fuller. Yeah. And basically said, hey, so what's the chances of those guys returning in 2021? Mm-hmm. And Pace didn't necessarily rule out that they wouldn't be a part of the bar club. What did you think there, you know? I thought that was, a, in a way, a scary comment because you just don't know what might happen, right? And, and you just really don't. You don't know what it may be as far as an extension goes. You don't know what it might mean for, you know, um, you know, for for possible trade, you just don't know. So you kind of like left the door open to for interpretation from anyone that can view it and say, okay, what does that mean? 
So you kind of go back to question Pace. Okay, maybe we need a little bit more on this situation here than what you already shared. But you know, Pace keeps everything pretty close and tight to where you don't give off too much information, but he did leave the door open. Yeah, and so one thing too for fans to to keep in mind, we got cap hits of 12 million and 13 million respectively for both of those players. Right. Now, before any of our listeners get crazy with anything we're saying here, me and Nate Dub have gone on a record many times of saying that Hakeem Hicks is the heart and soul of this defense and this team. We don't want to see him go anywhere. But right. we also have to face the facts, like A-Dub mentioned earlier, that this is a business. And the Bears are going to do what they feel like they have to do with some of these contracts. But Hakeem Hicks and Fuller, to me, man, those guys are invaluable to this defense in the last four years especially. But as we mentioned on our salary cap episode, the salary cap is shrinking. It's going to be very important for teams to shed salary cap. We're already seeing some of the fallout now, plus the screen was cut. I mean, that wasn't a right. surprise to many of us, but now we're starting to see some of these decisions starting to come down the pipelines, eh, Doug? Yes, we are, man. And speaking of bust the screen, we talked about him on episode 38 about at the 15-25 mark, where we talked about him being an individual who possibly wouldn't be cut. And Brad kind of gave us a lot of good insights around that. It's not a surprise here to see him cut because we do have other guys on the team that we think can step in in that role, hopefully, to take on that position with Duke Shelley and maybe even Vildor, right, helping out in that area. So you can see that they're going to have to do what they got to do from a cut standpoint. Right, exactly. And then, like you said, that was not a surprise for many of us. And let's be honest, I mean, Buster Screen had an uneven time here in Chicago. And I, I hope that, you know, he did a good job with saving his money while he was in his league because with some of the help issues that he's had over his career, he may even probably want to look at retiring. Just with anything with these concussions and brain injuries, like that stuff, you know, you probably have to take a step back and, and really look at like, is it worth it going forward? Yeah, because you think about long-term you know, impact on those concussions. Yeah, you're right, Perez. He has to really think about his health overall. Absolutely. Did you see where Jimmy Graham was involved in a little bit of a single, I think it was a single car, car accident? Yeah, I heard about that. Absolutely. Yeah, it seemed like he walked away from it fine, but man, he was very fortunate, man. I, I know about them car, those kind of car accidents. I was involved in one in high school. We almost uh, passed away mm-hmm. from it. And so anytime I hear someone involved in a car accident, it always, man, makes me, it, it always kind of hits me a little bit. So I'm glad that he was okay. I think he tweeted something along the lines that he walked away unscathed. Yeah, man, that was good to hear the good news about him you know, walking away and not sustaining any major injuries because that that's tough, man. You saw what, what happened with the Tiger Woods. I know it's a different t- topic, but these car accidents, man, can be devastating. And you, when you hear about anyone getting into a car accident, think they're the worst. Like, oh, you know, what really happened? Well, did this person really get really hurt badly? Right. And the good thing is that he didn't sustain those type of injuries. So, you know, it's good to see that he's blessed and um, good to see that he came out of it feeling pretty good. Yeah, I mean, because like you said with that Tiger one, I mean, that one could have went left because they had to use the jaws of life to get him up out of there. They said he was even unconscious. So, you know, back to that original point, man, these cars ain't nothing to play with. So definitely glad that Jimmy Graham walked away from that one. Absolutely. So we also saw that Tom Herman was brought on to the staff this week. For listeners that may not realize, Tom Herman is the former coach from Texas that was let go. Right. So, hey, Doug, what did you have thought-wise on that one? Because when I looked at that move, I said, wow, so they brought someone else into the mix on offense. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, man. Hey, man, Tom Herman has a lot of knowledge, man, a lot of knowledge in the college football ranks. I think with him, he brings a lot of knowledge to our team, and they bring him on as what a a special projects coach. So you think about that part of the title he's going to have coming with us. 
I mean, you talk about that extra nods in the room with other guys, you know, with the Naggies and with our, you know, other coordinators that he can just bring a lot of information to the team. And I think him coming from college helps in that Ram. I mean, he done a good job over with Houston when he was coaching them. I mean, this guy has a tons of knowledge. And I think you look at that and you talk about in the room, this is a guy you want to have in the room. And I'm not sure how long the Bears are going to be to keep a guy like him down the road. But right now, let's take full advantage of what he can bring to the table. I would just say this. I mean, the guy comes from a very impressive pedigree. I mean, he was under yeah. Urban Meyer at Ohio State, mm-hmm. and he offers some of that offensive innovation. When you look at that, I kind of went back and forth on it because at first I'm like, oh, man, this is too many cooks in the kitchen. But then right. I said, well, they're only bringing him in as an offensive analyst. So that right. means they're just going to give him probably certain little projects and certain little things to do to just give another set of eyes maybe on certain strategies that they're looking to do on offense, right? Mm-hmm. You also look at the fact which we got Laser Filippo. So yeah. what it seems like what they're trying to do is they're just trying to make sure that they get their hands around this offensive philosophy and make sure that they're not, you know, uh, missing out on anything. So I don't think that the hire was a bad one at all. It doesn't hurt anything. When you look at a guy like him, he gets out of that high-pressure situation of being a, a coach at the University of Texas, and he gets to come to the NFL kind of learn the game a little bit, get some experience, and kind of lay low. Because he did give he get he got bought out by Texas. So I'm sure right. he's good on money for a year or two. So <laughs> <laughs> right. Money not a problem for him right now. But you yeah. hit it right on the head, Press. This guy could be, you know, you know, you always want to have, like you said, you don't have too many cooks in the room. But I get your point to where with him, he might be able to be involved in many different areas, right? You can go and mm-hmm. check out the defense. You can come and check out with the offense, right? You can play many different parts to make sure that everyone is fully aligned on how we want to tackle things. And you hit it right on the head. What he brings to the table could also be, you know, something that we really need from where, you know, we have a liaison, right? Someone can operate between multiple positions, multiple coaches, and bring back good feedback and what was being said and what's being shared. And hopefully that can help us, right? And also maybe it help us as well when we talk about the draft. We're looking at the draft coming up, you know, where he can play a part into that piece. Absolutely. And then also just one other thing for our listeners to think about, we saw where, hey, you know what? We picked up a defensive assistant and that's somebody that's going to be able to help out the side on defense, right? So Mm -hmm. Mike Patton is going to give him another set of eyes, right? And so what it looks like they're just trying to do is they're just trying to, and I I don't want to use their buzzword, but they are trying to collaborate. I know that that's like the word that they use (laughs) all the time. But it does seem like that that's something that they are trying to do. It seems like they're trying to do all hands on deck right now. And right. so when you look at a lot of these moves, I'm like, okay, well, let's see what comes with these things that they're doing. Right. And you see that in, in the press. So you, I know I hate to go back to that part, but, you know, pre, you know, Ryan Pace talked about the coaching staff being one of the strengths. So you add all these pieces, oh, you know, um, to it. Wait, 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 wait a minute. What did you think about that when he said that? Because I'm like, <laughs> when they asked you what the strength of your team is and that's the first thing you said, I kind of looked at my computer screen. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah man when i heard him say that i was like okay you're gonna say the coaches is, is the biggest part of it right now hey look you better deliver on that man you have no choice but to deliver this coming season based upon that knowledge you're saying that and um you, often you don't hear that but i think he's saying his infrastructure is tight okay we, we'll see we'll analyze that as fans we'll be looking very closely to that when the season kicks off yeah, because hey, i looked at that and i said what coaching staff he talking about <laughs> <laughs> I want to nag you up out of here. I'm like, you, you calling him a strength? Like, what, what are we doing? Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. So we're really going to see, man, this is the year. I think to me, this is the year. So if you say the coaching staff is that, then guess what? We're going to pay attention to this. 
they ain't got no choice. This is the last shot. This remember that sh- the show on Netflix, Last Chance. You this is the last chance for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. So they got no choice. <laughs> None at all. <laughs> well, speaking of last chance, right? So we talked about this briefly earlier with everything being on the table. We talked about the quarterback situation. It's looking more and more like Deshaun Watson's situation in Houston is not going to end anytime soon. It looks like that's going to end into like a nasty you know, dispute where Sean, Sean's going to probably end up just not even reporting to training camp. I, I, right. I, see, I see a lot of nasty stuff going on there. However, mm-hmm. we got Russell Wilson who has mentioned that, hey, he's got a list of four teams that he's interested in being moved to. Now, the Seahawks, A-Dub, have said, hey, we're not interested in trading him, but they haven't stopped listening to offers. What do you think there when it comes to Russell Wilson? Because as in the beginning when these reports came out, I was kind of with you. I was kind of like, eh, we'll see what happens. But now with each passing day, A-Dub, I get a little bit more confident that, hey, maybe something can happen here with this move. So what do you think with Russell Wilson? I think that might be a legit situation going on there to where he wants to leave that team. They're going to have to make a decision. You know, Russell Wilson is really one of those professional guys. He don't say much, right? He does, he's not going to really throw the team under the bus, but that's not who he is. That's not his character. But it seems to be a real situation to where, hey, those camps over there are not vibing and he wants out. And what that means for the Bears is we want to get a guy like Russell Wilson. That's probably going to cost us a lot, bro. And what I mean by that, we're looking at maybe one of our top guys on defense probably because, you know, that Seattle team didn't do well defensively and they had some struggles there. So, of course, you want to get rid of Russell Wilson. You want some assets to return. So we talk about return assets. What does that look like? Is it just draft picks? Is it just trades? What's all involved in that sweepstakes? Um, but I'll tell you one thing. If Russell Wilson out there, that is a guy we should explore. Absolutely. We should be right there knocking on the door. Hey, let's talk. Let's get it going. And even if it costs us one of our great players, we have to make that trade. And let's be honest, man. I mean, if you look at the four teams that he listed, he, he talked about the Bears. Mm-hmm. He talked about the Saints. He talked about the Cowboys. And he talked about the Raiders. Right. If you look at each of those destinations. We're not like the the most attractive of that list. However, Russell Wilson did come out and said he liked the idea of joining the Bears because he talked about it being a historic franchise. And also, I think what they said is that Russell wants to get into management. He said that they have an emerging offensive line because you remember one of his big beefs with Seattle is how bad that offensive line is and how he's been getting hit and sacked a lot. So it looks like he sees that this offensive line for the Bears is on the upswing. And he mentioned that we have a solid offensive-minded coach. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I'm, I look, he thinks this highly of Nagy, you know, or Bill Lazor, whoever he's thinking, who he's, where he's forward to, right? I can understand where he's going with it because, um, you know, we have some tools here. I will say we have a couple things in place. We have a good culture, good foundation here from what we have seen so far with this team. Not saying it's perfect, but it's a unique situation that still, I think, is still getting better. And hopefully it can evolve into something even better than where it is that right now. But I can see why he's making this a destination because I think if he comes here, man, he would just take over this city of Chicago if he was to come here. This would be his town. It would it would remind me of when we traded for Jay Cutler. We we would all lose our damn minds. Cause I still remember when we when we got Cuddy. I was like, oh man, we going to the Super Bowl, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. And there was a lot of hype around that. I mean, sheesh. But imagine what it'll be now with the guy who won the Super Bowl already, right? And right. To be, right now, we know he's a top-tier quarterback in this league right now, tier one quarterback in this league. So you bring him on board, 
been to the championship twice, won one, lost one. This guy have a nice little resume. I mean, he was an MVP candidate as well. Hey, look, this will bring, hey, man, this will set the city on fire. I'll tell you one thing, man. When you talked about how he won one, lost one, he should have had two Super Bowl rings if his damn coach would have ran the ball on the one-yard line. I know I got off track there, but I still think about that. I'm like, they cheated my boy Marshawn Lynch out of that touchdown to the MVP in that Super Bowl. Oh, I agree. That was on the coach, man. I'm like, what what, what you going to throw the ball for on the one-yard line, fam? What, what, what we doing? If I was Russ, that would have made me want to get up out of there then at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, Pete Carroll, what you doing, man? Hey, you got beast mode back there. Just run a darn football. <laughs> Give him the damn ball. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, when, when it comes to this Russell situation, up, I do think that there is a potential there. Now, mm-hmm. one thing that I want our fans to think about, because Russell did sign a four-year, $145 million contract in 2019. Half of that is going to travel with whatever team acquires him in a trade. Mm-hmm. So one thing to think about when the Eagles moved on from Wentz and traded him over to the Colts, the Eagles are on the hook for $33.8 million of that contract because there was dead money associated with that deal. And I think that was something that Brad talked about in our cap episode. Now, right. when it comes to Russell Wilson in this scenario, he's also going to carry a significant amount of dead cap money over the two-year mm-hmm. period. And so Seattle will be on the hook for $39 million in dead cap money. So that is something for people to think about when we start thinking about these different trades. Think about these contracts and think about the money that mm-hmm. is associated with with the deal like this. And so one of the things that I read, A-Dub, was around the idea of, hey, if Russell wants out so bad, then maybe what he could do is you know, cut a check to the Seahawks and pay back some of that salary bonus money to them. And then that will help Seattle to get some salary cap relief on their books for the current season. And it lessens that dead cap money that basically they're going to carry over into this year, because that's what Matt Stafford did when he left Detroit. And then all what the new team that required Russell Wilson could do is did give him a sign-up bonus at that same exact amount that he gave back to Seattle. To make them whole. So mm-hmm. it's just like a lot of little maneuvers that you have to make with the salary cap. But that's just one thing that I wanted to bring up to the audience just to let you know there are a lot of different maneuvers that you have to be done if a guy like this gets moved. Yeah, man. You Man, Brest, that's a lot of information right there that you loaded us up, up with. But you're right, man. These are things that he's going to have to really think about renegotiating his contract because that will help. makes it easier to make trades for the places he wants to go to. If you want to go to Chicago, that's something you want to consider doing. You wouldn't go to um, the Saints. You may want to consider doing that as well. Either way you want to go, for most part, the teams you're selecting, you're going to have to think about doing that because otherwise it's going to make it a little bit difficult or even harder for these teams to make those trades. Absolutely. But then when you look at his contract as a whole, A-Dub, the, his fully guaranteed money in, in 2021 is $19 million. Mm-hmm. In 2022, it's $19 million with a $5 million roster bonus. And then in 2023, it's a $22 million salary with a $5 million roster bonus. So if you do the math on that, that's $70 million over a three-year time period. So mm-hmm. you think about that. A quarterback like Russell Wilson's caliber, right. you're basically going to get him at a $23 million price tag. Right. I think all day long, if the Bears can make this happen, you do that shit in a heartbeat. I totally agree with you. You got to make that trade. You got to. And again, that's one of those trades that really – can hopefully put our franchise in a good position to compete long-term. So I think he's still young enough to where he can sustain many more years down the road. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. But one of the points that you made, but I wanted to just make sure that the audience thought about this for a second is in regards to a trade package. Because then what would that trade package look like? Honestly, man, I think that it would probably have to be multiple number one picks, right? So whether it's mm-hmm. this year's pick, the 2022 pick, and probably the 2023 pick, I think those all have to go, right? Right. I think so. But they're also going to want some young talent on the team. So then who is that young talent? Is it a Jalen Johnson? Is it a Roquan Smith? Is it your boy, Darnell Mooney? Who are the options here that they would be looking at? Because you know they're going to want young players coming back to them in a trade. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I won't even look. I'll even throw out there. They may even want Bojack. They might want a guy for that secondary because, remember, they got torched <laughs> um, the past last season and they need their secondary. Remember, their secondary was one of the best part of their assets in the past, right? When they were very, very good. So they might want to get back to that kind of a thing with having a very good secondary. So you're right. Jenna Johnson might be someone they're looking at for sure. You know, and what about Fuller, right? They may be looking at all these different things. So you're right. That's something to consider. Well, we'll definitely see. We'll definitely see. All right, A-Dub. Man, time for our special guest audience. We got a good one here on with us today. We got John Chapman. He hosts the 49ers Rush podcast. And this is someone that I've been very much looking forward to getting on the show. John does his podcast from the standpoint of film-based analysis, and he's a former coach. So I was like, man, I want this guy to get on the show to give us a good breakdown on the NFL draft, and we're just going to have some fun. John, talk to him. Man, glad to be here, gents. Uh, Love what you guys do. Uh, Not a big fan of the Bears, but, man, you guys – Y'all put some great stuff out there, and I'm I'm just pumped. Whenever you ask me to come on, I was like, hell yeah, let's let's figure this out. So talk some draft and just some NFL stuff, and uh, just big fan of what you guys do. So thanks for having me. Thank you, thank you. And to your point about the Bears, I don't want any parts of Jimmy G. So you guys keep him over there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's right. funny. Whenever you you reached out to me, you're like, yeah, let's talk draft stuff. The first thing that came to mind, and this hurts, and it's going to get better after this, I promise. Was that damn draft where we were picking two, you guys were picking three. Oh, we trade, we swap picks, and we both got screwed somehow. I don't, yep. I don't understand. <laughs> One of the best drafts in recent memory, and the 49ers walk away with Solomon Dammit Thomas, and you guys. <laughs> get you know mitchell wtf trubisky and this is kind of yeah here we are we both need quarterbacks now that's what it's what it is and not to mention we gave you guys draft capital to move up to get that pick that was the best smoke screen ever because i don't know why we thought that you guys were going quarterback there (laughs) yeah the the one saving grace is you know the 49ers they they, they kind of pulled a fast one on you guys and got those two third-round picks. And what's interesting, those two third-round picks, one of them, the actual pick was Alvin Kamara, which the 49ers mm-hmm. traded rights away to. And the second one was Fred Warner. So the 49ers got something out of it. Yeah, yeah Fred Warner's incredible. But, um, man, could you imagine if you just stayed there and the 49ers could have got, you know, Deshaun Watson, Alvin Kamara, and Fred Warner with, those, with that pick? And it just goes to show you how important the draft is you got to make the right picks. <laughs> and if you don't, then, yeah, it's it's where we are currently, I guess. Back and to I the mean, drawing board. And, and speaking to our situation here where Ryan Pace misses in the first round a lot, and then that's when you have to overpay a free agency, right? <laughs> yep, that is. And that's, again, kind of where both teams are currently, 49ers in the – there's no money. <laughs> no. You're broke. <laughs> <laughs> Because also, I mean, that's a hell of a point because A-Dub and I, we did an episode with a cap guy 
and he was talking about, hey, look, this this salary cap is decreasing, and the Bears are already overcommitted seven million dollars on the season. So it's like, yeah. what's getting ready to happen, guys? <laughs> it, it's not a good situation. And so you ask yourself this: You're Matt Nagy. This is it. Like, yep. you got to make something happen because you guys have a good roster. Mm-hmm. but there's some premium positions. It's just completely void. I don't have to tell you guys, but wide receiver and quarterbacks, like you got to have them in the NFL to compete. And, you know, with, you know, a Rob, you know, he's a free agent. Now he's going to get paid somewhere, probably not yep. Chicago. What are you going to do? And I think that kind of helps us move into where we're going to be spending most of our time today. The good news for you is wide receiver is probably the deepest of any position in this draft. And man, the bears fans should rejoice at that because you're going to be getting a stud, whether it's first, second or third round. Absolutely. So with that in mind, right? So one of the things that we talk about on the show a lot is what the hell are the bears going to do in round one? Right. And so for me personally, I'm never going to probably say get a first round draft pick at quarterback. I would much rather go after an offensive lineman because that's an area of this draft that I really like. But you brought up the wide receivers. Who are some of those wide receiver targets in that first round that kind of attract you? If you said six wide receivers win in the first round, I would not be surprised at all this year. You know, your big three that are getting all the attention, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, Devontae Mm -hmm. Smith, we got that. That's great. Those guys will be gone by 20. And I don't think that this is, you don't need to trade up for a wide receiver because there's so many guys there. Rashad Bateman, who I freaking love. I think that he's closer to that first tier of wide receivers than he is the second tier. He is insane. 6'1, 210 out of Minnesota. And so, you know, he's relatively familiar to the area, um, the Chicago people. But yep. he is a guy. <laughs> there's not a lot of comps for him. He's a smaller AJ Brown, is what I would say, where. The dude could play linebacker if he wanted to. Like, he could bulk up that much. Like, that's his build. And, you know, one thing that you got to be careful of this year with all the pro days, no combine, everybody's going to run a Mm -hmm. (laughs) 4-3. So when you see those come out there, you just got to say, nope, that's not what we're looking at here. But with Rashad Bateman, it translates to the film. Uh, It really, really does. I really like that guy, Kadarius Toney. And in... He's a kid out of Florida that's a little Tyreek Hill-esque, uh, twitched up, compact little uh, energizer bunny that just goes all over the place. He's great, but my question is, man, how does he fit in Chicago? You right. guys already have some undersized wide receivers. You don't have that true X, you know right. what I mean? Right. And I don't think Tooney's going to be that because you're going to have to get somebody that's got some type of body to him. I mean, Cordero Patterson, which I don't think he's a wide receiver, but sometimes he takes snaps out there. But yeah, I don't think they know what he is, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of, he can figure it out. Yeah, hell of a special teamers, but other than that, yeah. <laughs> exactly, right. exactly. So, you know, if you're looking for that true X, there are some guys. Terrace Marshall Jr. You know, I just got through doing a 35-minute breakdown before I jumped on with you guys on Jamar Chase and his counterpart, Terrace Marshall Jr. Six foot three, 200 pound out of LSU. Now he was kind of playing second fiddle in 2019 or really third behind Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, but he was the guy this year in the abbreviated LSU season. I think they played seven games, NFL body potential, all those things. He's kind of that bright spot that's going to match up because I think he's going to go late twenties. And so, you know, whenever I'm doing my mock drafts, when Chicago gets on the board, that's where you start to get into the conversation of, okay, Terrace Marshall Jr., this guy's an absolute speedster, amazing catch radius, all those things. It's just all potential. 
That's mm-hmm. why he's in this this spot here. And so whenever I get there, I'm like, okay, now we're in Mac Jones territory. Or do they go, you know, wide receiver, somebody like a Terrace Marshall who fits their need, but he's not polished. There's a lot more polished guys that are going to be available, but he has the potential to be exactly what the Bears need. Uh, but you're going to have some growing pains for sure because drops are an issue. Oh, boy. Routes need to increase, but speed and size you can't teach. And he has those in spades. So one of the names that you brought up and I wanted our audience to kind of think about for a second was Bateman, the kid out of uh, Minnesota. I'm not going to lie to you. I had to watch a little bit more film on him, you know, because I didn't watch a lot of Big Ten football this year. But what I came away from watching the film was the fact that his route running is pretty damn good. And uh, (laughs) he gets off the line of scrimmage well. And that's one of the things that A-Dub and I talk about with our receivers is that release off the line of scrimmage, like being able to beat the jam, right? And this is a kid right here, and I'm glad you brought his name up because he's someone that I really like. My problem is I don't know if he falls to 20. I don't think so. Because there are some things. Now, it's possible because usually, you know, if you look at the last five years, the trend has been ever since, you know, like, you know, the John Ross and Corey Davis and that draft, whatever else, (laughs) um, wide receivers fall. It's just what it is. And so especially whenever you're looking at just from an economic standpoint, if you're sitting there in first round, like you guys, the Bears, you've got needs at quarterback, tackle, wide receiver. Those are probably your primary needs. Right. Well, guess what? You're going to be able to get a wide receiver in the second round. And again, back to you guys, offensive tackle and wide receiver, I think, are the two deepest in this draft, which matches perfectly with you guys. So I think that you're going to get a stud in the first and second round. I think those options are there. But then the question comes back to QB. Who's going to be throwing Bateman in the ball? You don't have money to go get somebody. It's going to be Foles, and you're going to have to go with you know a third, oh, fourth boy. round quarterback. And I don't think anybody wants that. No, we definitely don't. And that was one of the things that we were talking about in our pre-show chat is the fact of what the hell is Pace going to do with this position? Because you can't wait out the Deshaun Watson scenario. Russell Wilson, we don't know if that's a smoke screen or if it's real or not. So it's like, what are going to be the options? Is it going to be Alex Smith? I mean, like, what the hell are we going to do? <laughs> well, right. and the one thing about Alex Smith that I will say, and I think that he would be very successful in your offense, or I really, really do, it, because you have a solid team, and we mm-hmm. saw what he can do with a solid team in Washington, right? I mean, he got him to the playoffs. Right. So that's not a bad situation, and Alex Smith has made it known. He's going somewhere where he's going to play. And so... It's not ideal. Nobody wants, as a 49ers fan, nobody wants to rely on Alex Smith, especially, you know, with what he's been through. But it's not the worst case scenario, I guess. Yeah, but it would be better than Nick Foles because as soon as you said that name, I cringed and I almost turned my mic off because I didn't want to say anything. But yeah, he's, he, I hope we don't have to do that because A-Dub and I had one of our season premiere episodes. We had a guest on it. He said by the third game that Foles plays he's going to get knocked out of the game and he's never going to play again <laughs> and it was almost spot on true <laughs> yeah it was pretty close man and, and, and it's so weird because you see some of the throws that Foles makes and you're just like all right like this guy can do it uh-huh. but then you'll see three in a row where it's just like what the hell yeah what um, was that <laughs> yeah what are you doing it's crazy to think he was a Super Bowl MVP QB it just goes to show you what you surround people with matters and even if let's say you guys did get you know a top tier quarterback in this class you'd have to trade up what who's he throwing to 
Yeah, because if uh, if A Rob gets tagged, that's looking like that's going to piss him and his agent off, and they might re- request a trade, right? So then, who's left? Anthony Miller? No, thanks. Get him the fuck off this team. Yeah. Uh, you know, and A Dub, he loves Mooney, but that's it. Yeah, that's it. There's not a Cole Komet, maybe, you know, yeah. You do get Tariq Cohen back, which I'm pretty excited to see what he's going to do. But yep. yeah, you're right. You got to have something around him. You got to have protection. And so trading all the draft capital doesn't really work because, again, you've got to field a solid team. The defense is going to carry you guys. Everybody knows that. Right. But something has to happen. And the, the worst thing about this is you have an offensive minded head coach, offensive quote unquote genius, <laughs> yet the offense has regressed every single year he's been there yep um, yep so. doesn't it, it doesn't make sense john and we this is something that we've tried to wrap our heads around because year one of of naggy with the trick plays and everything was cute right yeah <laughs> and then shit got real seasons two and three and then a lot of fans were saying hey this is gonna catch up when the, the league figures him out and when the league figured him out he made no adjustments and one thing about naggy is for some reason he refuses to run the football that's that stands out to me too. You've got terrible quarterback play. What's the answer? Throw more. <laughs> what the hell? What are you doing here? Uh, but yeah, I'm with you there. So you brought up offensive tackle as being another one of those position groups of strength. And I, I thought that as well. A-Dub and I did a um, episode. We did a senior bowl recap. Who are some of the offensive tackles that kind of stood out from you when you were doing some of your analysis? So the top three guys, Panay Sewell, Christian Tarasaw, Rashawn Slater. I'd probably put Rashawn uh, Slater number two for me. I really like him. I don't think that they'll be there by 20. But once you get past that, man, there's so it, – it's pick your poison. Tevin Jenkins – Early on in the draft process, wasn't getting much love out of Oklahoma State University. I think he's going in the first round. I really, really do. It, him against premier talent, dominating. Mean as hell, six foot six, three ten. And so you're thinking Big 12, eh, I don't really like this, but he's mean. He is mean. You watch him versus Joseph Osai of Texas, and I'm a Longhorn, so this one hurts. Okay. He just body slammed the hell out of this dude all game, <laughs> all game. And so whenever you see him going against these, you know, first, second round defensive end type players, he gave up zero hits, zero sacks this year, abbreviated year. But one of those guys that's just so clean. Other guys, Dylan Reduns out of North Dakota State, you know, uh, Trey Lance is getting a lot of buzz. But another offensive tackle that's going to go close to the first round is Dylan Reduns. Joe Staley has been mentoring him through this entire draft process and working out with him exclusively. So that, you know, that's a huge problem. And Dylan Reduns kind of fits that. He's 6'5", 304. He's kind of like a modified tight end. You know, one of those guys that's going to be north of 300 pounds until they stop playing and they drop to 220. Like, he's an athlete. And so I think that's another great fit. Samuel Cosme from Texas, uh, Alex Leatherwood, if you want to take the chance, uh, uh. That's, that's <laughs> if you want to go that way. But there's so many players. Again, another one out of Stanford. They have two tackles eligible in this draft, but Walker Little. He would have been probably the number one or two tackle after his freshman year. He was incredible. Has a knee injury, misses a year, opts out. For 2020. So he hasn't played football in two years, but this is a 67309 kid that was rated ahead of Chase Young coming out of a uh, high school. Like he has like all of the pedigree, none of the experience. What do you do there? I noticed that with that guy that he hadn't played much since what that 2018 season. But what the thing is, 
there's no reason to, to say he couldn't be a quality NFL starter, right? <laughs> and you're going to be able to get him in the second to third round. Mm-hmm. Right? And so because of those red flags, they're going to fall. And that's what the draft is, right? Uh, calculate risk. And the guys that are a little bit risky are going to fall. It's just what it is. But again, you look at what he brings to you. If he's healthy, which he's two years from playing football, he's going to have some rust. There's no no doubt about it. But he is a perfect fit in that. Um, I mean, super high ceiling. But you can get him in the late second, early third. One question I have for you on Dylan Redunce. This was a guy that uh, we covered during the Senior Bowl recap. And one thing that I saw in him was I thought he was a little bit undersized. Do you think that that's something that that pro teams would worry about looking at him at the draft? So it depends on if your power gap scheme, I, I think that he fits and he could play guard. You talk about the senior bowl. He was player of the week. Yep. And mm-hmm. so you want to say, oh, North Dakota state, you know, level of competition. No bullshit. Hey, you put him in the senior bowl. He was the best player there. Mm-hmm. Six, five, three Oh four. He's got an 80 inch wingspan. So length, <sighs> he checks the mark 100% weight, little bit of a concern, but whenever you watch his tape, he doesn't get beat by bull rushers. That's not his thing. Um, he gets beat by a little bit more of the shiftier guys. And I say he gets beat like the dude was a baller. He gave up zero sacks, one quarterback hit in 2019. So like he's a good, good player, two and a half year starter. But I think my question with Dylan Redunds isn't weight. He's nasty as hell. Lots of pancakes whenever you watch his game tape, which is fun. It's <laughs> holding on to his blocks for longer than two to three seconds. And I'm talking like running game, things like that. Like his initial contact's great. He he punches the hell out of people. You see their heads just snap back play after play after play. Oof. The problem is he doesn't lock on well. Uh, with, and so that's one of the things he's going to have to adjust to. If I was a power scheme, he probably wouldn't be at the top of my list. Now, zone running scheme, you guys, the 49ers, I love this guy. I think that he's going to fit what you guys want to do really well. Yeah, and we we could use that upgrade. I'll tell you that that much. And one of the things that we talk about a lot, John, is the fact that at left tackle, we have Charles Leno. Obviously, we know that, he, that he's not the long-term solution there. I think he'll end up coming back for one more season just because he's under a contract that, you know, this says that he's going to come back. But right tackle, I think that's the spot where if we could get a plug-and-play guy that could come in right away, I think that'll be really good for us. So some of these names you're throwing out there, I'm like, we can use a little nasty. That Jenkins kid that you were talking about, I would love that in Chicago because we don't have he's that on our offensive line. the least talked about guys, and I just don't understand why. He fits the scheme, and when you watch him, you just think NFL player. I mean, it just it's written all over him. I love hearing that because a lot of the names that get thrown out in Chicago in regards to tackles, we get a lot of people talking about Liam Eichenberg, and I'm a Notre Dame guy, and I've watched a lot of him over the last three years, and I think he's a really clean tackle prospect, but I just don't know if I would take him over maybe some of these other guys that you that you mentioned, especially this uh, the Dylan Redunds kid, who, like you said, during senior Rick, he tore it up. Yeah, I Notre Dame offensive lineman always gets a boost. Mike McGlinchey says hi real quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I think I, I get it, and it looks pretty, and it looks nice, but whenever, you know, the first thing that comes out about Liam is, one, he's good, and he's got all the size that you want. He's gigantic, you know, 6'6", 300-plus pounds, but his weight's an issue because he always gets it out over his toes, which you don't like that at the tackle position. You get off balance, all those things, and it, it just didn't translate that well for me. But again, you look at 2020, gave up zero sacks, one quarterback hit. So you're sitting there saying, like, all right, he did really, really well, but, man, there's just so many times whenever I watch his film, 
It's like, man, why is he doing that? He won't sit. <laughs> you know, there's a coaching term is sit in the bucket. Like yep. act like you're sitting in a bucket. And he is not that guy. He is always over his toes and just off balance, which is hard when you're that tall. Now it could be coached out, but you know, his weight, I don't think he can add much weight to his frame. I think he's kind of maxed out and it just, it's a pet peeve of mine. I, I watch him and I'm just like, man, he just looks like Mike McGlinchey, which I think is a decent starter, but I don't yeah. know, maybe late second, early third, I'd be okay with it. But again, he's a fallback guy. I don't think you go in the draft like hoping to get him. Exactly. I, and that's the way I look at him too. One name that intrigues me, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it, is uh, Mayfield out of Michigan. W- what do you think about that kid? Yeah, you're talking, you want a physical power yep. tackle. You know, Tennessee comes to mind. The Raiders come to mind. You know, if they do move off Trent Brown, I think that's where he goes to this power scheme. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if you're wanting to block on the perimeter and things like that, probably not going to like him as much. But yeah, he's mean as hell. Uh, again, lots of balance issues, what I got written on my tape. And he is a guy, you know, played exclusively at right tackle. First two seasons, switched over to left tackle in 2020 for, you know, one game. But he didn't play much in 2020. I think he only had a little over 100 snaps. So that's a concern there as well. Um, you know, obviously health is an issue. But for some teams, they're going to like him much more than others. Me as a 49ers guy, I, I don't think he's a fit. Well, speaking of that, as a 49ers guy, who is someone that you're hoping that you guys target there at 12? Is that where you guys are at, right? Yeah, we're at 12. You know, our core needs, obviously, if one of the four quarterbacks fall, I don't think there's any chance of that happening. And I do not want the 49ers to trade up and give up a bunch of picks because we're up against the cap too. And so I I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback if he stays healthy. Obviously, I don't think he's a top 10 guy, but, you know, we've made it to the Super Bowl and almost won with him. Um, cornerback is huge. We have no corners. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're all gone. So I think cornerback would be huge. Caleb Farley would be the perfect thing. He's a top five guy in this class for me. I love Caleb Farley. I just think he is elite. Um, and then also an edge rusher. I, I think that's key. You know, D Ford for about six games in the 2019 season, the 49ers had the best defense and it wasn't even close. When we lost that speed edge rusher, we kind of regressed back to the norm. So, uh, having said that, I think there's one dominant speed edge rusher in this class, and that is Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia. Oh, my gosh. He's just got D Ford written all over him. He would be – it would just be perfect. Now, I don't think that he's a guy that's going to be a three-down player in the NFL, but the 49ers don't need that. We have Eric Armstead. We have Nick Bosa. Those are our starting edges. And then you add that outside pass rush. Whew, man, that would be very, very nice. You brought up a couple things that I wanted to dig into just real quick. So you mentioned the quarterback situation. How are you feeling long-term with your option there? So one, if you don't have a top five quarterback, Mm -hmm. you got to get one. And look look (laughs) at Green Bay last year. They have a top five quarterback and they still traded up to get one. Isn't that something? (laughs) And so like, it it just goes to show you the rich get richer. Now he never played one snap and never was even activated, whatever else they could have helped out the team that lost back to back NFC championships, but whatever, that's the Packers. And, And I'll say this too, whenever I talk mock drafts or the draft, there's always that one or two commenters that say, Hey, best player available. Let me just say that's total bullshit. It doesn't exist. And if you want best player available, look at the damn Packers. You get a third-string quarterback, a fullback, and a third-string running back. That's all they got in the draft last year. That's it. 
no thank you. Like, I don't believe in that <laughs> philosophy. You draft value plus team needs and scheme fit and all those things. So the 49ers, Jimmy G's okay. I think he's like a 12 to 14 quarterback when healthy, misses too much time. Mm-hmm. But, and this is where I think it's a little different with the 49ers. The 49ers have a legit shot of the Deshaun Watson Whatever. So let's just play out the draft and let's say the Houston Texans, one of the worst run organizations in sports, <laughs> we're not going to trade them. They go through the draft, they miss their window, and then Deshaun Watson doesn't show up. Right. Well, that automatically puts the 49ers in the driver's seat because we don't have the draft capital this year to send them. And so I think we could maybe work something out there. I still think it's a super long shot. The Bears, obviously, you are in this as well. Everybody wants to play for you guys or us, just which is weird, but it's it's kind of where it is. So I don't mind Jimmy Garoppolo if he's healthy. I do want <laughs> I want Trey Lance. That's my guy. I love yeah. Trey Lance, uh, but I just don't think there's any possibility of him coming or any of the top four quarterbacks coming. So what I think is a realistic option, you keep Jimmy Garoppolo. And you bring in somebody like a Sam Darnold. You trade, you know, a late second to get Sam Darnold. Or you drop back in the first round if you're the 49ers. Swap those first round picks with the Jets. You know, Robert Sala was with us for a long time. Obviously, the front office know each other. Um, And so I want a decent backup behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Because if he does get hurt, I don't want to tank our season, which has happened two out of the last three years. One point that you brought up that I think is really intriguing for our listeners to to, to think about when it comes to the Deshaun Watson situation. The 49ers are in a driver's uh, seat, in essence, because they can wait out the Texans because they have the quarterback in tow, right? We don't have that option. And so I do think that that's something that I wanted our listeners to just think about in that scenario and say to themselves, logically, who could be the guy? Because the more I look at this situation, I don't think that it's Deshaun. And if he does get moved, it's probably going to be to a team like the Niners or the Dolphins, teams that already have a quarterback that can wait this process out. Yeah, and no team, including the 49ers, should have the plan of, well, we'll just get Deshaun Watson. That's mm-hmm. not it. It's a dream scenario, but you cannot make any type of plans through draft, financially, whatever. You've just got to move forward. Um, it's what you have to do. And if it becomes available, uh, that'd be awesome. Well, hopefully, he does get traded. I think Sean Watson's the second best quarterback in the league, and I hate where he is at. Such it, a terrible franchise. And it's awful, like with the way that they even handled the uh, DeAndre Hopkins scenario, right? And basically yep. traded him away. And so when A Dub and I, we, we talked and we did our recap of that Texans Bears game, and I just said, this is a guy out here that's just being wasted. You know, and he has the injury history. So it's like behind that offensive line, I'm like, get him out of there. (laughs) They're not doing him any favors at all, really, by keeping him. As you can see, the team looks like they're on a decline, really. And all you're really worried about now is if this guy going to get hurt playing longer with him. So his best bet is look out for his own health and say, hey, I want out of here. So we'll see what happens with that, who lands him. Yeah, y'all beat the tar out of him that game. I remember that, man. That That was embarrassing. It really was. It really was. Just see, and the one thing too, leading up into that game, a lot of us fans. I mean, we even said it on the show, uh, John. We thought that was going to be the Sean, the Sean Watson revenge game, <laughs> but it didn't work out oh. that way for him. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, we were worried. You brought up at the cornerback position, and this is something I wanted to touch on before we turn over to the quarterback rankings that you have in this upcoming draft. But you mentioned that you like Caleb Farley, and I think that's the kid from Virginia Tech, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. 
What do you think about Sertain from Alabama? Because when I was looking at corners, I kind of had him rated higher just because with Farley, when you look at him on tape, a lot of times, he doesn't seem like he wants to come up and tackle people. Yeah, no, that's a major concern. Really, with the top three corners in this draft, sticking their nose in in the run game with J.C. Horn and Caleb Fairley, Patrick Sertan is head and shoulders above. There's no doubt about that in the run game. You play corner or secondary in general for Nick Saban, you're going to be physical, period. Mm-hmm. And this kid was physical from the start. True freshman starter at corner. I mean, he's he's for real. So I really do like Patrick Sertan. For me, it comes down to scheme fit. Okay. Um, and again, I also value one of the most important things for me in secondary. I want ball skills. I want turnovers. I wanted batted balls. That's a premium uh, for me. And so Caleb Fairley has that in spades. Patrick Sertan, not so much. You know, nope. he had one interception. That's really about it in 2020 and two interceptions in 2019. Now, part of that is because teams were so damn scared of him. He was <laughs> not targeted. They just stayed away. And the couple areas where he was targeted was on deep plays, which I think is Patrick Sertan's main flaw. I don't think that he is a top speed corner. I don't think he's a true 4-4 guy. And I think speed is probably one of the most important for the cornerback position alone. I think 40 is overrated, except for corners. (laughs) That is where it matters. Now, the 49ers... We play our cover three scheme. And so your outside corner has to play the deep ball. That is so important. And I think that's the one Patrick Sertan flaw. So if I'm running a cover two scheme, Patrick Sertan's my corner one. It's not even close. But if I'm doing a man free or, you know, a cover three like the 49ers, Seattle Seahawks, things like that do, I I dock Sertan just a little bit. And I think he's kind of already maxed out his potential. And so not saying that's a bad thing. 2020 SEC Defensive Player of the Year. He's a baller. Mm -hmm. But whenever I see Caleb Fairley, I would not be shocked if he's a top three corner in the NFL. I would never say that about Patrick Sertan. Patrick Sertan, you plug and play, might get a couple Pro Bowls. He's going to be a quality starter. No risk whatsoever. Caleb Fairley, I think he could be one of the best corners in the league. His ball skills and the way he attacks the ball. He's only been a corner for two years. He, he was a high school wide receiver and wow. even went to Virginia Tech as a wide receiver, and they switched him his freshman year. I think that kid, he's good. He's really, and, really good. And that's where those ball skills are coming from, from having yep. that background. Yeah, that guy goes for the ball every damn play. Every play. Like, you could see the mentality. Like, he turns around and plays the quarterback whenever he's in phase, and it's interception or bust with him. And that's interesting you say that with, you know, with your scheme with the Niners there. And, and also when you look at the Bears, because of the way our corners play, we play a little bit off coverage, right? Right. And keep everything in front of them. So our DBs, they're not playmakers. And that's something that A-Dub and I always talk about on this show of, we need to get back this defense of taking the ball away. You know, under, uh, you know, Fangio, we were creating turnovers all over the field. And it's been missing the last couple of seasons. So we've just been very hopeful of getting that back because we have those pieces on defense. It just seems like scheme and just not putting guys in the right position is kind of what plagued us there. Yeah, I, I love me some Fangio, man. I, I miss that dude. Man, me too. I didn't think I was <laughs> because when he was here, bro, we would always say, oh, man, Fangio, he's too he's too passive. He doesn't blitz enough. Yeah. But you, man, you you gotta you gotta appreciate things when you have them. Yep, <laughs> right. He, he did a hell of a job for both of us, man. He he left us to go to you. I, I remember being pissed about that. Still a little hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he may be available in another year, so you never know. <laughs> there you go. Never yeah. Know. 
Let's turn over to the quarterback situation before we get out of here. So you mentioned that Lance is a guy that you liked and you don't think that he'll be available. Or is that a guy that you think is going to go in that top 10? Because we had we had someone on the show last week that covered the Bears, uh, J.J. Stankovic. And what he was saying was, don't be surprised if there's six quarterbacks that are drafted before the Bears even select at 20. Yeah, it's possible. You know, Mac Jones seems to be the latest like hot commodity that's rising up draft boards. And I get it. And the issue, one, this is a good quarterback class. I I really do believe that. But it's also, you have to look at the NFL. You know, last year, Cam Newton was a free agent for months. Nobody wanted him. There was just, Jameis, like, there was just quarterbacks just out there on the market because, you know, Eli hadn't retired. Big Ben, uh, Drew Brees. It was just so many quarterbacks available. Not the case anymore. It's not the case any longer. And so... There are so many quarterback needy teams and even teams that aren't like the Rams with Jared Goff, they go out and trade multiple first rounders to upgrade their quarterback. So everybody's trying to get them. And if you just look at quarterback needy teams, just in the top 10, Jacksonville, they're going quarterback jets, probably 50, 50 quarterback Miami. I doubt it, but who knows? It could happen, (laughs) right? Right. Uh, Atlanta, they need a quarterback Uh, Cincinnati. They don't Philadelphia. What the hell are they doing? Um, they need they need everything. Detroit is Jared Goff your long term solution? I think they'll stay with them this year, but wouldn't be shocked. Carolina's going quarterback. Denver, yep. Drew Locke, is that your future? Nah, eh, maybe. Dallas, and then I think you you know they're going to keep Dak for sure. But it's a possibility, and we haven't even addressed teams like the 49ers, like New England, like Washington, like Chicago that mm-hmm. have no quarterbacks. The New England has nothing. So six quarterbacks, I don't know. I don't know who that six quarterback would be, whether that's Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask, or whoever you want to put in that category. Yeah, he had, but, he had Trask. And I think he might be more of a second rounder, but, you know. Yeah, I've got a third round grade on him. Okay. I think if this was in the 1980s, Kyle Trask would have been a first round quarterback. Uh, just a big old kind of chubby white kid. I mean, he looks like Big Ben, plays like Big Ben, but doesn't move very much. But, man, it, the problem is he gets exploited by the Blitz so consistently. He, probably one of the worst quarterbacks at just understanding and recognizing the Blitz and how to exploit it. And so that's problematic. I mean, it's already on college tape. Yeah, I don't know. And is he going to have <laughs> Kyle Pitts at tight end at the next level? Is he going to have Kadarius Toney? Like, mm-hmm. he, we might already saw the best of Trask. But he does have some, you know, elite tangible qualities so i understand that but if you take him in the first round i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i think also too there was a scenario where some people were saying could the steelers trade up in the draft and jump over the bears well we know for sure they don't have the answer to big ben and they're bringing them back this year which i think is a mistake but they've got to get a quarterback Mm -hmm. they have to again let's say there's five quarterbacks that are you know whatever there's 15 teams trying to get them. So it's going to go crazy, man. I really hope the Jets don't take a quarterback and trade out of that two spot or just, you know, take Jamar Chase or something like that there, which I love Jamar Chase. But yeah. um, that's going to make the draft fun. If the Jets don't take a quarterback, it's going to be mayhem, man. And so <laughs> I'm so hoping that the Jets don't because after that, Miami's going to trade out. Teams are going to be bouncing all over. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, it's going to set that fucking draft on fire if they oh, do Oh, man, I'm so pumped. <laughs> Jets so, in a tough spot. <laughs> yep. So outside of uh, Lawrence, how do you see the quarterbacks uh, panning out? Man, Zach Wilson is – he has something. 
you know, uh, you know, whenever I'm writing my draft profiles and, you know, I'm watching the game tape and the coaches tape and all 22, I, and I just type like kind of what I, what I see. And so my, my draft write-ups, which I share, they come out in my draft book, which I share with all my Patreon subscribers, but I keep writing the word dangerous. Just the dude is just, he's ruthless. It'd be second and two. And this dude will pass up you know, an easy five yard out route wide open and he'll just freaking put it in double coverage on the dime. Like this guy, it's, it's uncanny how he's been able to do it. Now there are some questions. He's got a weird ass throwing motion. He's got, you know, had labrum surgery on his throwing arm and he was awful for two years. Awful. You look at him first power five conference teams. He was terrible. He went two and three, five touchdowns, four interceptions. Now he didn't play any of those power five games in 2020 Washington wanted to play BYU, but BYU turned them down last minute. Um, so, you, you know, with Trey Lance, the question is, Oh, well the competition level, it's gotta be there for Zach Wilson too. Uh, it has to be because the dude didn't play anybody. And when he played coastal Carolina, he didn't look elite this year. That was his toughest game, which they were a pretty damn good football team, but he, he did not look elite whatsoever. Um, I love Zach Wilson. And, you know, you jump back. Let's go back to where we started this conversation. You know, the Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes draft. Used to, the NFL wanted accurate, safe quarterbacks that weren't going to be a bust, a la Mitchell Trubisky. That was the thinking there, right? Mm -hmm. Now, teams are like, screw that. We want Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. These elite traits Screw accuracy. We don't give a shit about that. We'll right. coach that later on down the road. I want somebody that can throw the ball 50 yards off platform, you know, all that stuff. So that's why Zach Wilson's rise has taken place because he has those intangibles, the wow factor plays that's just like, okay, I can see him being a top three quarterback in the NFL. Now, as you, you know, go through the other ones with, you know, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, the talent is there. They have more talent than more physical talent, better NFL bodies, stronger arms, more mobile, better stats outside of 2020 than, you know, uh, Zach Wilson. But there's some other question marks, okay? Justin Fields, way too many sacks. He does stare down his receivers way too often. He's in the most quarterback-friendly offense that's ever been created at Oklahoma, uh, Ohio State. So those are problems. Um, but the talent is there. Um, I really like Justin Fields. He's my number four quarterback, but oh my gosh, if the Niners could get him, I'd be so psyched just because he's number four. Like, I don't think that he's bad or whatever else. That's not it at all. I just really love Trey Lance. He's my number three. That's who I want. I, I just love the way that kid plays. I think Trey Lance can be something special. And also, I mean, he's that dual threat, and that's where the NFL is, man. He's he's sick. <laughs> he's tough as hell, man. He, he's got 6'3", 224. And when he runs, he's not like a power runner, even though he could be. He's just so fluid. And the thing that I like most about him is he is able to avoid contact. Justin Fields doesn't do that. Justin Fields, people say he's tough because he's always getting hit. He holds onto the ball way too damn long. How many sacks did he have this year? I forget how many. I think it was like 31 or something like that. I mean, wow. just something bananas. Wow. And so, yeah, 31 sacks. But Trey Lance, 
that dude just avoid. He has like a invisible bubble around him, and nobody ever gets close to him. When the pocket breaks, he just escapes the pocket. So calm, cool, collected all the time. Just everything looks just easy and just simple to him. And so, like, I loved that, especially as a Jimmy G guy. I don't want my quarterbacks getting hurt. And right. Justin Fields takes way too many damn hits. Trey Lance, I mean, nobody ever touches that guy, even when he runs. Yeah, he's no. smart, man. When he runs, man, he got the ability to see, you know, how these guys are playing, how they're coming, and can avoid a lot of punishment, unlike some of these other quarterbacks. And that's one thing you like about him as well. He sort of reminded me when I was to watch Cam Newton and, and you know in, in the college ranks, you know, and how he was. It fits. It yeah, fits. So. And the thing, another thing that people miss with Trey Lance, uh, North Dakota State, I get it. He called every single one of his protections at the line of scrimmage. He audibled at the line of scrimmage and ran the most pro-style offense of any draft-eligible QB in this draft. So North Dakota State, the Bison, you watch their game film, it looks like the 49ers offense. You've got multiple motions, bootlegs, all that kind of stuff, and he is in charge of the offense 100%. So that's one of the things that I think separates him from others. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I, I don't know why people don't talk about that as much, but when you watch the film, I mean, it looks like the damn 49ers offense that they run. And to get somebody like that with Shanahan, that'd be pretty scary. Yeah. Because yep. look what look what he did with Jimmy G. And I don't mean to pile on, but I mean he took a guy like that to the Super Bowl. Imagine what he could do with someone like Trey Lance. And I agree yeah. with you. He's a good prospect. Oh man, this has been awesome, dude. Awesome. I'm I'm gonna want you to come back on the show. <laughs> yeah, man. Once you guys once we figure out the draft and what you guys got, I'd love to come back on and you know share some of my uh third, fourth, fifth round guys and stuff and, you know, my draft write-ups on them. So you guys just let me know. Love what you guys do, as I said earlier. And so, man, not a Bears fan, but it is fun <laughs> talking all this stuff and going through all this stuff. All good over here, man. Before you get going, man, uh, tell our audience uh, where they can find you and a little bit more about your show. Yeah. Um, most active on Twitter at JL underscore Chapman. And I do all of my scouting breakdowns, which are usually about 30 minutes to an hour on each prospect on patreon.com. And I just started yesterday, a non 49ers one. So I have all my 49ers tape that I go through, but now I just started one for the NFL draft. So patreon.com slash NFL draft. Basically it's eight bucks a month. You get I, I think I have over 25 hours of breakdowns on there currently that I just got through loading. And so almost every single first round draft picks on there. If you want somebody covered, I'll go through all the tape with you and all that kind of stuff on there. So patreon.com slash NFL draft. Uh, again, just started it uh, just a couple days ago. So head over there. That's probably the best place. That is dope, man. Cutting up tape and giving you guys great content. Definitely. I definitely think it would be worth the 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 watch because I'll tell you just from following him on on Twitter and seeing how he interacts with his listeners and his fans, the guy knows his shit. So I would definitely appreciate be worth it, man. Thank you. Checking it Thank out. You. Well, man, John, thanks so much for coming on. And as as I mentioned, as we get a little closer to this draft and how things unfold, we'll definitely love to have you back on. Awesome, man. Appreciate it, guys. All right, now appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Dub, man, another awesome guest on the show. Man, Jonathan brought that analysis, that expertise. I mean, this guy watches college football. Awesome perspectives. He's a grinder, man. You can tell he watches the tape. He understands scheme fit with prospects. You get a lot of guys that talk about players, mm-hmm. but he's talking about how they fit within the scheme and, and, and how that translates. And the way that he broke down Trey Lance, I mean, that was really awesome. And for people that are maybe looking and saying like, well, man, why would I pay for the content? I mean, he sounds like he's somebody that I, it would be worth paying 5 to $8 a month to learn a little bit more about some of these people. So, Absolutely. You get the strengths, you get the opportunities, you get it all. You get it all. 
Well, hey, before we get out of here, we wanted to let our listeners know we are doing the March Madness basketball tourney pool. March Madness is on the way. Be here in a week from now. We have 29 people that signed up. We're going to cap this thing at 35. So six more people, first come, first serve. So don't miss out. You guys get a chance to compete against me and A-Dub, see which one of us uh, knows our college basketball. <laughs> and good luck. I think I'm pretty competitive, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Hell yeah, me too. Me too. I think me and A-Dub, we're going to have to do a side bet on this thing. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> and friends, you're pretty good at betting, man. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I do. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right, brother, man. Appreciate you. Another dope-ass episode, and we are out. Yes, sir. A-Dub. Gonna sign us off, bruh. Thanks for listening to the Barry Centers podcast. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for your continued support of this podcast. Barry Nation, come down with us. Peace.